You are listening to a New Season Church audio sermon. Prepare your heart to hear a word from God. Well, this morning I'm carrying on with a series, Make It Fun, Adding Joy to the Journey. And so last week we started our new series, Make It Fun, Adding Joy to the Journey. And we looked at how our lives are not meant to be these dreary, uh, heavy, burdensome experiences. That God actually calls us and He cares about us having fun. That God has called us to a life of joy and, 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 and a journey filled with joy. And that we are to be intentional with injecting fun into this journey. And so we looked at Ecclesiastes 8.15, which is kind of our baseline scripture. And it says, so I recommend having fun because there's nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink and enjoy life. That way they will experience some happiness along with all the hard work God gives them under the sun. The scripture tells us that there's nothing better than having fun. There's, there's nothing better than having fun while we're having a go at life. That God gives us pursuits and God gives us callings and God gives us things that, that we are to, to pursue and, and, and work for. But those things are hard work. They are challenging and sometimes they are more often than not difficult. And so that's why Solomon in the scripture is telling us he recommends us having fun. He says, look, there's nothing better in this world than to have fun. Why? Because when you do that, when you inject fun into your walk, when you add joy to your journey, you have happiness along with all the hard work that God gives you. Because unless we have joy, that thing that's meant to be a blessing becomes a burden. Because the most meaningful things in our lives, unless we add fun into it, unless we inject joy into it, unless we intention with it, will become burdens instead of blessings. You see, all of us want to have fun. I've never met anyone that says, I don't like having fun. You see, God has placed something within ourselves, this, this affinity to have fun, to enjoy things. So God cares about us enjoying our life. He cares about us having fun. And as God's people, we should, we should be having fun while we're serving others. We should be having fun while we're serving God. We should be having fun while we are pursuing the things that God has given us to do. And we should be intentional, uh, unashamed, fun-loving people. We should bring the fun. You know, we shouldn't just expect to have fun, but we should bring the fun. And so when we get into a church service, it, it's not just about the band and the pastor creating an atmosphere or, or, or an atmosphere for us to enjoy, an atmosphere for, for us to have fun. But it's about us creating that atmosphere. That we are, we are meant to bring the fun. That we are meant to bring our thanksgiving. That we are to bring our praise. That we are to bring our own encouragement into, into a church. Because when we bring that atmosphere, when we bring our own intentional joy and fun and, and approach and thanksgiving and praise to a, a, a gathering of the saints, to a church service, that creates an atmosphere of fun and enjoyment. Psalms 100 verse 4 says, Enter His gates with thanksgiving, go into His courts with praise, give thanks to Him and praise His name. 
So in this scripture, God is clearly telling us that there's a, there's a way to approach Him. There's a, there's a way to come into His presence. There's, there's an attitude that we need to have when we come into, into His courts, when we come into His presence, whether that's in a context of, of a church, in-person service, or online, or just having your own quiet time with God. God says, look, I want you to come to me with an attitude of thanksgiving and praise. You know, I don't want you to come into my presence. I don't want you to come to church, the place where I am, with this burden, heaviness, and, and arrive there like, well, I made it. I'm here. You know, as, as, if, as if we're doing God a favor. No. And, and we understand that the people go through difficult times. They go through challenging seasons. And, and even some of you right now, you, you're going through a season where you, there's, there's a burden on you. There's a heaviness on you. And understand that we go through those seasons. But, but sometimes what, what's supposed to be a season turns into a cycle. And that's just, we end up living life like that. Constantly burdened and constantly uh, heavy and, and never having any, any good things to say. And never having any joy in our lives. God says, I want you to come to me. I want you to come into my presence with thanksgiving and praise. I'm sure you've heard that saying, uh, when praises go up, blessings come down. Well, I don't actually think that is correct. What I do think is correct is that when praises go up, His presence comes down. When praises go up, we can enter His presence. And the Word tells us that in His presence is fullness of joy. That in His presence is everything that we need. And so, if we have fullness of joy in His presence, then we are to come with thanksgiving and praise into His presence. And so when we come with praise, we can enter into joy. When we come with, with thanksgiving, we can enter into a presence of joy. So let us make an effort. Let us make the decision to have an attitude of praise and thanksgiving when we come into the presence of God. You see, we are capable of being as a church, we are, we are capable of serving with joy. We are capable of serving our world with joy. We are capable of serving one another with joy. Jesus commissioned us and He said, You are the light of the world. Now He didn't say, You are the darkness of the world. Now go everywhere and switch off all the lights and make everybody feel bad about who they are. No, He didn't say that. He said, You are the light of the world. Now go out there and brighten things up. And so this morning what I want to talk about is giving yourself permission to have some joy and have some fun in your life. And why do I say permission? Because I think a lot of us have gotten into a, a routine or we've gotten to a place in our lives where we're so burdened by the things that we are dealing with that we are not allowing ourselves to have fun. That somehow we think that if we have a little bit of fun, then, then we're not taking things seriously. Like, like we're dealing with so much serious stuff, this is not the time to have fun. But it's actually the complete opposite. It's that it's in the time where things are heavy that you should be the most intentional with adding joy into your life and being intentional with having fun. And only you can give yourself permission to do that. Nobody else. 
Your circumstances cannot give you permission to have joy and have some fun in your life. So this morning, I want to talk about giving yourself permission to have fun. And I'm going to talk about a couple of reasons to give yourself permission to have fun and add some joy. So reason number one, God wants you to have fun. And I spoke about this last week that God wants you to have fun. You know, because at the end of the day, that's that's the crux, that's the foundation of this whole thing, that God actually wants you to ha- enjoy your life. That your life is not supposed to be this heavy, dreary thing, but God wants you to walk a life of joy. And if you will understand this concept, and if you will just let this sink uh, into your heart this morning, I believe that it will give you a lot of liberty, and it will bring you into a place of freedom, with your walk with God. So God wants you to have fun. 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 says, One final word, friends, we ask, urge is more like it, that you keep on doing what we told you to do to please God, not in a dogged religious plot, but in a living, spirited dance. Paul was speaking to the church and he's saying, look, here's the thing. We ask you, no, actually, we urge you. You know, he was quite forceful with the statement. He says, we want you to continue doing what we've told you to do. We want you to continue being obedient to the precepts and the word of God, uh, because that is part of your walk. We, you need to be obedient to what God has called you to do. But then he doesn't put a full stop there. He doesn't finish the thought there. He actually puts a comma and says, because here's the thing. Here's the, here's the caveat. But don't do it in a religious, dogged plot. Don't, don't do it out of obligation. We want you to serve God, but do it in a living, spirited way. You know, over the years I've seen people serve God, and, and some just do it with such heaviness. They do it with such burden. They do it, you know, they're walking God, walk, walk into church, and they're serving God, and you know, it's like, uh, well, I'm here. I made it. And it's actually painful to watch. It's, it's agony, you know. And, and I think to myself, if I wasn't a Christian, I wouldn't want to be one. Because I wouldn't want to hang around people that are like you. You know, and I'm not talking to you guys. I mean, we have awesome volunteers. We have awesome people that serve God. But I'm talking about over the years, you see people that, that just serve with serve God with such agony, with such, oh my word, this is so heavy, with out of obligation, right? And, 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 uh, and I do this, and, and uh, mo- most uh, public speakers, whether it's in a church context or conference, will do this. They'll, they'll look into the crowd and they'll find at least one person or a group of people, or at least one person that is engaging with what they're saying, that is engaging with their message. You know, the, you can either see it in their eyes or they're taking notes or they're nodding. They're engaged with what's being communicated. And, 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 and speakers will gravitate towards those people and all, and it'll, it'll seem like they're just speaking to that, that person or they're preaching to that person. I mean, the rest of the crowd can, can do what they want. And the reason for that is that nobody wants to speak to someone that's there just out of obligation. Right? And so when we, when we make our serving, when we make our walk with God just about obedience, just about obligation, it creates a walk that is very empty. Let me give you an example. Those of you that are parents, 
and, and you have kids that are of the age that can go and clean their room and have some chores or responsibilities. How many of you have told your kids, hey, remember to go clean your room. I want you to go clean your room. And for most of you, what is the first reaction that they have? <sighs> Do I have to? But I don't want to. Oh, clean my room. You know? And, and as a parent, I'm sure you, you, you've encountered this before. They, they have this kind of like, it's agony to watch. It's painful. You know, you're giving them a, a certain responsibility, a certain chore. And how many of you would say, as a parent, I would really prefer that they just go and do it. Like, if you told them to go clean the room, they would just say, okay, let me go do it. You know, deep down inside, they might be saying, oh, I really don't want to do it, but at least they're not showing it on their face, right? That, that You would prefer that, isn't it? And how many of you would prefer, you know, your, your kids not only saying, okay, I'll do it, but I'll, I'm going to have a little bit of a spirit of dance. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little bit joyful with it. And I'm sure you're probably saying, what world is, is that possible in that your kids would actually enjoy going and doing, you know, cleaning their room? But I want to bring a parallel. If you as a parent would rather prefer your kids doing their chores or the things that they've been given to do by you as a parent with a, a better attitude, with maybe some joy, then why do we think that God would be any different with us? You see, if God is a heavenly Father and God gives us certain responsibilities and certain things to do, even though they might seem menial, right? To, to a child cleaning the room, there's, they don't see any benefit to it. But you understand that you're teaching them certain responsibility, you're teaching them to take care of certain things, right? And you would really rather do that, rather have them do it with joy. You might even take them out for ice cream because they had a, such a good attitude when they, when they, when they did that chore. But I can tell you for a fact that you're not going to be taking nobody for anything if they walk around like this, you know, plodding along. You know, the, 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 what, what the word says, this religious plot. So why do we think that God would be any different? You see, God would much rather prefer that we do the things that God has given us to do with joy. Because the fact of the matter is, your child would not have a room to clean if it wasn't for you. Right? So there wouldn't even be a room to clean if you hadn't provided that room for them to clean it. So you're saying, listen, there would be no room for you to clean in the first place. So why don't you just go and clean it and do it with, with a little bit of a better attitude, with a little bit of joy. And so, if we can make the parallel with us and God like that, you see, we wouldn't even have the things that we have to enjoy or to take care of if God hadn't given it to us. We wouldn't have the church to go to, to serve in, if God hadn't given it to us. And so, when we, when we do it with joy, we are doing it not as, as uh, out of obligation. We don't serve out of obligation. We, we serve God. We serve people. We, we take the mission uh, seriously, right? But we do it with joy and we add fun into it. Not because we have to, but we do it as, as a response to what God has given us. We do it as a response to His unconditional love. We do it as a response to, hey, I gave you this stuff and you didn't deserve it, but I gave it to you anyway because I love you. 
And what God wants us to do is, is have a response of joy, to have a response of of, of, of doing it with, with, with some fun, with, you know, that it's not this religious blood, like we're there out of obligation. I'll give you another example. When it comes to giving, you know, tithes and offerings, you know, when, when we, when most people first hear the, the message of tithes and offerings, first, generally the reaction is, well, God doesn't want me to give, right? That's generally the first reaction. And, you know, scriptures being what they are, they come to the realization, well, hold on, hey, okay, this is what the scripture says, so let me be obedient, right? So God wants us to be obedient. And then they, they maybe start giving an offering, um, and then maybe as, as the faith grows, they get to the point where they're giving a tithe, the 10% of the income, and then the faith grows more, and then now they're not only giving the 10%, but they're giving over and above, they're giving an offering, they're saying, Lord God, I can give more, so I want to give more, right? And so sometimes we stop them. We say, well, that's, that's the highest level of obedience. But, but actually there's, there's another level. There's another level. And 2 Corinthians 9 talks about God loves a cheerful giver whose giving is in his heart. God loves a joyful giver. There is another level of obedience and that is, that is the obedience with joy. Obedience with thanksgiving. Obedience with praise. Not just being obedient, right? Because God wants us to be obedient. He says, look, I want you to, if you love me, follow my commandments. That's what Jesus said. If you love me, follow my commandments, be obedient. But there's a level of obedience, there's a level of giving, there's a level of serving that is higher than just doing it because God told you to do. And that level is doing it with joy and it's doing it with, with, with excitement. It's doing it with a sense of fun injected into it. Right? Because God loves it when we have fun doing what we are obligated to do. Jesus had fun. For most people, Jesus is seen as this man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. They put him in this box of, you know, the, he was just all about sorrow and it was just all about grief. And he, he, you know, he died for us and everything is a mournful experience when we look at Jesus, right? And even, even during this day, there are, there are groups of people over Easter that will go and cut themselves and pierce themselves because, you know, they, they're enacting, uh, reenacting the, the experience of Jesus. Right? And yes, we understand that Jesus died for sin. We understand that we, without Him, we, we, we would be dead in our sin, right? But there was a third day and there was cause and still is cause for celebration. Because Jesus is alive, God is good, there's reason to celebrate. But religious people will, will box uh, Jesus into, into this man of sorrow acquainted with grief, right? The funny thing is that the religious people of Jesus' day saw him as a man that had too much fun, right? Today we see him as someone that didn't have any fun. But the religious people of the day, the Pharisees and the, the religious um oversight of Jesus' day saw him as a man that was having too much fun. You know, he was hanging around with 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 wine bibbers and tax collectors and 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 tavern owners, right? And so he was with people that the religious uh, would would say, "Well, this guy is he's he's having too much fun to be a religious person." But Jesus had fun. 
And I want to give you give you uh, an example. Where was Jesus' first public miracle? It was at a wedding. It wasn't in some field. It wasn't in the temple. It was at a wedding. Where was it? At a place of celebration. At a place of fun. And what was his first miracle? His first public miracle. This is how Jesus, in essence, announces himself with his first public miracle at a wedding. And what does he do? He turns water into wine. His first miracle wasn't healing someone on leprosy. It wasn't bringing sight to the blind. It wasn't healing the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. That wasn't his first miracle. His first miracle was turning water into wine. You know, turning water into fun juice. <laughs> and it was at a wedding. Now, some people say, well, you know, it wasn't really wine. It was, it was grape juice. Please, if the word says it was wine, it was wine. Okay, he turned water into wine. He was, if you, if we had to bring into context today, Jesus would be where the people are. He'd be walking into coffee shops and pulling up a chair and, and engaging with people and, and talking to people and touching people and, and bringing hope to people. Jesus was a man found where people hung out. So, look, I'm, I'm not, not one point am I saying go out and be irresponsible and, and call it fun. Well, Jesus had fun, so let me be irresponsible. I'm not talking about that. What I'm trying to get you to understand is get you into mindset of Jesus was a person that had fun. And if Jesus is our model, if Jesus is our model of how to live life, then I would think that we should be pretty concerned about having fun and adding joy and injecting joy into our life. The parable of the prodigal son. Jesus' parables were laced with celebration. The prodigal son goes, leaves his father's house and comes back. And what is the first thing that the father does? He doesn't send him to work. He doesn't beat him over the head with a Bible. He says, my boy was lost, now he's found. And what does he do? He calls for a celebration. He calls for a party. Right? This is fun. It's enjoyable. Right? So, Jesus had fun. And we need to understand, if Jesus had fun, He wants us also to be concerned with adding joy and having fun in our life. Number three, fun is meant to be a big part of our salvation experience. Our walk with God and our salvation experience is supposed to be something that's supposed to be filled with joy. Actually, our salvation experience is meant to be characterized with fun and joy. I want to talk about salvation experience. I'm not talking about that one moment where you accept the Christ, you raised your hand in an in-person service, or you responded to uh, that invitation uh, online. I'm not talking about that one moment. I'm talking about the journey that you have with God throughout your life, that it's supposed to be characterized with, with fun and joy. Luke 15.7 says, In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have, haven't strayed away. And so God in the scripture is talking about, look, there is joy and celebration in heaven over one person that recognizes their need for Christ, that recognizes their need of uh, of forgiveness and their need of redemption through the cross. He says there's more celebrating over that one person than the, all the other 99 that are religious and that, that have done all the obligation and that have done all of the things they needed to do. Right? So what is this 
painting. This is painting a picture of celebration. And contrast that to this lowly and quiet setting that most religious people would want to have. You know, uh, there's a a sign on the door of most churches that says, this is a quiet church, right? And it's not that. Our salvation experience, our walk with God, our journey with God is supposed to be characterized with joy and fun. So, so we need to understand that Jesus had fun, God wants us to have fun, and our salvation experience should be filled with fun. Number four, fun makes hard times bearable. Have you ever heard someone say after laughing, I really needed that? Right? I'm sure you have. Why? Because as life gets more difficult, it's much more important to laugh. As life becomes more burdened, that is the time that is so much more important to inject fun and joy into your life. Abraham Lincoln, he was a president um, in America in the 1800s and he was one of the leaders during the Civil War. And what he did during that time, he actually instituted orders that all of the troops uh, at the end of the day would get around the campfire and they would tell jokes. It was, it was an order. And he got heavily criticized for that. You know, they, they were basically saying, how can you be telling jokes during a time of war? And he responded by saying, by saying, the good book, referring to the Bible, the good book tells us that laughter is a good medicine. Right? In essence, what he was saying was, look, if we don't laugh, if we don't inject some joy and create a cheerful mind, there's no way we're going to get out of this. And he was a self-professed melancholy man. He was, he was a depressive man. And he understood the importance of adding fun and adding joy. And he made it prescriptive. It wasn't something that just happened, you know, by chance. It wasn't something that happened organically. He made it a prescriptive thing for the troops that it was, look, when we get down to sit, we're going to tell jokes. And, and you better come prepared. You better put on your fun face and you better come prepared with some good jokes. He made it a very prescriptive thing, right? And so I hope that this morning, if, if you're going through a difficult time, and I know many of you are, you know, I hope you're not saying, well, you know, if, if I, if, if you only knew what kind of life I had, if you only knew the things that I was going through. And yeah, I, I I'm sure you're going through a difficult time as many people are and that's you i hope you're not dismissing this this series as uh, you know i'm not really into this thing how can i be thinking of fun when i have all these things that i need to be worrying about and i hope you're not saying well i'm just going to wait for his next series because i kind of like his other stuff more i want you to understand that if you're going through a difficult time you know in this point in your life that this could actually be the, the thing that gets you through. That this, this idea of being intentional, this idea of adding joy and, and adding fun and, and adding thanksgiving and praise into everything that you do and being intentional with it, that could be the, 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 the turning point. That could be the reason. That could be the, the key for you getting through the difficult time that you are facing. So I encourage you to engage with this and lean into it, right? So, make sure that you understand that laughter and fun gets us through difficult times and and makes difficult times more bearable. And lastly, number five, remember we're talking about reasons to give yourself permission to have fun. Number uh, number five, fun makes work more enjoyable and we get more done. 
And some people are not having fun because they think fun is a waste of time. That in order to be productive, in order to get things done, it's, it's intensity, it's focus. Right? And that's the only thing. We've got to be intense with what we're doing and we've got to be focused with what we're doing. And there's no time for fun because fun wastes time. But statistically, the opposite is true. You see, when we have fun, when we're doing what we're doing, we'll work harder, we'll have greater team morale, we'll stay longer, we'll have greater composure, we'll have greater energy. It's not all just about intensity and focus. Because the most productive lives, the lives that produce the most fruit, are those lives that have some fun going on. And it's not that all we do is have fun. It's not that we don't work hard. It's that the fun, the adding of fun, the the joy in that journey, the joy in that work, empowers us to work harder. And when we bring that into the context of our church and what we are doing, we need to understand that God has us playing a part in His eternal plan. We have a mission. God has given us something to do. What we are doing and what we are called to do has eternal value. It has huge implications. What we do this morning and, 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 and as we reach people and as we bring the, the, the message of unconditional love and grace and the kingdom and a better life and life transformation to more people, that has huge implications. It's of eternal value. So when we talk about the context of our church and the context of what we do and the context of the mission and, and, and our purpose and our, and our destiny and our calling, let's do it as if we are doing it unto the Lord because at the end of the day we are. Let's, let's make sure that everything we do is laced and injected with fun and joy. Let's make sure that we wake up every single morning saying, God, Thank you for today. And God, help me make this day count for you. And I want you to think about this concept as we do this. And as I close, that every day when we say, God, thank you for this day and let me, help me make a count. I want you to think about this con- uh, concept of putting Christ on. And as I close, let me close from Galatians 3.27. It says, And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. The scripture is telling us to put on Christ. Put Him on. Put Him on like clothes. And so, if you can think of clothes and putting on Christ, like putting on clothes, that you can use this as a picture, as an analogy of, when you are in a certain place in your life, when you're in a certain mindset in your life to say, look, I'm going to put on Christ. I'm going to put Christ on as if I'm putting on new clothes. And I'm going to be, I'm not going to be the old person. The old things have gone away, but the new has come. I'm going to put on Christ like I'm putting on new clothes. I'm going to put on praise. I'm going to put on thanksgiving. I'm going to put on Christ. I'm going to put on His joy. I'm going to put on His attitude. I'm going to put on His perspective and the way He looks at things. I'm going to put on Christ. And so that speaks of intentionality. It speaks of I'm going to be intentional with 
choosing joy. I'm going to be intentional with choosing fun. I'm not going to allow anything to steal my joy, but I'm going to put on joy. I'm going to put on Christ. I'm going to put on His attitude. I'm going to put on praise. I'm going to put on thanksgiving. And this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to invite you into this journey of adding joy to your life and making it fun. Because God wants you to live a life of abundance and that includes joy. Let's not allow ourselves to be burdened with the things around us. Let's not allow ourselves to be burdened with the challenges and the cares of this world. But let us come to Christ. The Bible says, come to me all of you that are weary and heavy laden. My and I will give you rest because my burden is light and my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus says, my burden is light. So come to me and offload your burdens on me and take up my burden, which is light. Take up my yoke, which is easy. And so this morning, if you're in a place where you feel burdened, where you just said, look, I I don't know how to put on Christ. I don't know how to choose joy. I don't know how to make fun. I want to come and I want to invite you this morning to lay your burdens at His feet this morning, to come to Christ and let go of all of the things that are weighing you down and, and take on Christ's burden. Take on His burden. Take on His yoke. trust that this message has blessed you. We would like to invite you to worship with us every Sunday at 9 a.m. at our Easter's campus.